listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about the Enneagram, Marriage, and Addictions. I'm choosing this topic in the middle of season two while we're talking about GLOW because I really wanted to make sure that I took a pause with you guys And I was telling a client this this week as well. I want to make sure I'm hitting stories for everybody, even while just like through season one, we were going through type by type. I always put a couple episodes in between. And as we're rounding out our season of glows, I want to do that too. I'm not quite done with glows, but I really want to start getting back into some topics that affect everybody with their marriages. And this one is big. Addictions hit everybody. Even if it's not you struggling with the addiction, I know that you've had a family member or a friend who has struggled. And I also know that the research tells us that because of COVID, the addiction rate was up 13 to 17%. So I don't know where it's going to be as we're heading out of COVID, yay-ish, because I know there are also new strains. But I also understand that as the world heads back into normalcy, it's going to feel a lot better for a lot of people to not feel so socially isolated because it's just hit us on every levels from the classic COVID affair to addictions to mental health issues otherwise and comorbidities with addictions and so on and so forth from teenagers and up. Actually, I'm going to actually say from little kids and up because my son heard somebody cough the other night at theater and his sisters are getting vaccinated and his parents are vaccinated and he was like, I want to get vaccinated. Like, And I was like, why? Because are you feeling frustrated? I don't want you to worry. And he's like, I just don't want to have to hold on to that. So I was interested that he was nine and I felt bad for him thinking like, even though he's been able to do a lot masked, it's been hard. So I definitely think this topic is timely. And I think it's a topic that we can do type by type. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about the etiology of addiction and how we can manage it overall. And then we'll give a few tips type by type. And before we get to that, I just want to do a brief marriage check-in. I am having a great time reading a book that clients and I were talking about doing the course affiliated with this book. But the book itself is so good, Unwanted by Jay Stringer. So I'll reference that a little bit today in terms of talking about sexual brokenness and addiction. But if you're married and struggling with sexual brokenness at all, whether you're addicted or not, I think it's a great book for you to pick up. And of course, you know, I am absolutely so happy we have a myriad of awesome Christian books on sex finally coming out. But this book is really addressing the brokenness and the hurts and really getting into the depths of why we struggle. And I think it's good for anybody who has struggled or is struggling sexually, just because obviously we don't want you to sit in shame. We want you to heal. And I think that's super important to the process is you understanding why did I get stuck on this? Or why am I stuck with this sexually aberrant behavior? It seems so unhealthy knowing I keep going back to something that I know really won't fulfill me. And I can't say for you what that is because everyone is so different. I think the very best ways for you to look at your life are what's look at honestly, what is hurting us and what is helping our intimate life. And I really love when we are able to 
to do that because I think that gives us the best recipe for secure attachments in our relationships. So that's for you guys at large about your marriages is that great book Unwanted by Jay Stringer. And it's also a great reminder for us in general to continue doing our work of self-care. When we do our own inner work, that is self-care. As much as I always am like, oh, let's do our workouts and let's make sure that we're socializing and that make sure that you're really serving because we know volunteerism helps with depression and and all these ways of caring for others and caring for yourself are wonderful. But sometimes we need to actually take a good 30 minutes to an hour in a day. And I know that hurts, guys. I know you have a big day, but just to take the time to go through the grieving, the lamenting moments to make sure that you go through and take some time to be in gratitude after that. And then some time as well to just simply plan out your day in a way that makes sense and in your life in a way that makes sense. That's super important. It may not be fun, but the result is fun because the result is you feeling much more in charge of your day versus my day happened to me. It assaulted me and I don't know where the hours went. And I hear that from people of all types. And then moreover, relationally, I want you to do the same. Your marriage or relationship requires not just maintenance and conflict conversation, but it requires replenishment. So it's super important to me that you make sure that you take care of yourselves with date nights or days or breakfast like you know we do sometimes and that you make sure that you get something on the calendar for yourselves as well because that is so important to your balance. And boy, do I feel that with you guys in this season of middle marriage where we have kids increasingly busy. And I know I've mentioned that I have probably a social four, probably a social nine. There is no probably about that one. Um, And then we also have our son who's very social and my husband. So it's very important that we find ways, Wes and I, to connect that satisfy both of us. And for me, that's the weekly date night. I really love it. And when we miss, I feel a little off center and I'm fine, but it's not really good long term to do that. So you might need it monthly. You might need it weekly. It might be for you that it's intimacy. Whatever it is, I want you to make sure you check in with each other about what is really healing and healthy for you. And where do you find replenishment? Because that is so key to realizing you can't just run all day and go, go, go and and saying we matter too. So whether you have the baby and the baby's taking all the attention or the babies or you're a grandparent and you're busy, lost in the shuffle of that, or you have yourself saying I'm just working so much now, now that the kids are grown or this is the years before kids, we have to make the most of our time. Do not forget to replenish each other. Do not forget to check in. You know I have all these routines for you at enneagramandmarriage.com under the freebies tab. So please check those out. We are literally slipping in a date this week during my son was invited to a birthday party and the parents wrote on the invitation, have a date while you drop your son off at the Jumpin' Fun place. And I was kind of in my head going, but I have two other kids. And it's just like so funny because I'm like, no, but they said for me to drop it off. So I just like had this moment in the sick zone. And I'm like, they said I need to drop my kids off. I have to do it. You know, it's so funny because it's really just my seven sneaking out and saying fun, fun, fun. Um, But this other part of me that that four is like, but your daughters. And I'm like, you drive your daughters to their dance practices three to four days a week. You're taking them to the beach this weekend with their friends. They were in a show. They went to a friend's sleepover birthday party. It's like, 
I had to say to that four, like, yes, as much as we need replenishment, I need that with Wes too. So it's always a bit of a juggle. It's never quite perfect and it's always a little awkward. So do know that it's never going to feel like, oh my gosh, we're 100% in sync. Actually, I should say this. It does happen sometimes, but that's not the norm. Don't expect that every day you'll be like, oh, I woke up with perfect energy. The day is perfectly maintenanced and scheduled and the weekend is to die for. You have to expect it's going to be a little painful and awkward and you might be like me looking at that text again and again going, should I just take them up on that date? And I'm like, heck yes, because usually we've been having these at-home dates all through COVID. And now that we're not having to mask starting just right now, it's really going to be a fun date to get out with my hubby and to just live life a little bit differently. So I'm praying for all of us as we're all either choosing to get vaccinated or not choosing to, and just that everyone would have peace and feel like we can step back into life, even as, of course, there's going to be huge things going on. There's going to be raging issues everywhere. And we're going to be part of the addressing of those issues. We're going to be stepping in socially as a collective to work on things, I hope. And I'm so on the front lines of the marriage mission with you guys. So I want you to know I'm trying to cover my bases. You try to cover yours in your beautiful ways. You're influencing the world and be sensitive, not just to your own self-care, but to your spouse's self-care and to your kid's self-care. But when you are at a pretty good level or Accessible, do take some time for just you guys and, and do prioritize that. We don't have to be one of those uh, individuals who says, I'm the marriage first person or I'm the kid first person. And I remember some people capitalizing on the attachment parenting lingo. And I had to say, gosh, every type of good parent is an attachment parent. And then others you know, saying we have to be marriage first in order to have a good foundation. You know, I agree with that, but I also realize that our kids are so important to the family's foundation. So I just want everyone to feel important in our family systems. And then I also want us to be able to say from there, as we refresh ourselves, as we work on refreshing our families as best as we can from there. And that point is where our outreach begins and we can begin to fill up extended family and friends and hopefully the world at large. So that is a journey I'm on with you as you emerge from your COVID cocoon because it's always a beautiful gift and it's always where people connect the most is when you find out, oh my gosh, I can't believe that when I go back to this area I've been skipping, my life has more meaning and depth. Feel free to slip around in your in your personality type and try on new things because we know for my type of the seven, being joyful and exuberant is part of the journey, but the other part of the journey is the sobriety and the settling. So I know that's not as much fun for those who are similar to me listening, like eights, otherwise two and threes, but it's fun to be able to say it in a different way. I conquered something hard for me that I'm not used to doing. And we are coming back to being a community of people who get to walk around and show our faces. That was so weird for Wes and I this week at the variety show on Friday night at our church. And it was even stranger because we're at a newer church. Everything shifts during COVID, as you know, and this community has been a really good place and the other one was good too in different ways, but this one is just amazing at knowing how to work with what's happening in the world and to shift with respect and love. And we have just been having the best time there. And so it was just very odd to be able to go this week 
and show our faces. I'm like, we are people, we are newer to this community and it feels good. Although that social part of me was like, okay, taking a deep breath because I had just recently read that introverts are struggling to go back to work right now and have been wanting to go stay home, some of them, not all, it was about 35%, but it was a little bit of that, oh boy, better take the mask off, but also wanting to keep that mask on as you know, both the metaphor and what's really happening in the world. So I, I hope that we can all take those courageous steps as we're in all these shifts in the world. And if you fell in love or got married or maintained your love during the time of COVID, of course, I'm thinking love in the time of cholera, you are very blessed because I know that is very, very hard. And I know there were many, many losses. So if you're in that camp, I want you to know I am praying for you. And I know you're grieving because it was a very, very difficult time and everyone was tried so hard. So we're coming out stronger on the other side. And today we're talking about addictions because we want to make sure we're all at the best we can be. We want to know what we have to do to encourage our spouses and our loved ones. And we just want to thrive, right? So let's get into this topic. So for starters, I think that a lot of people don't know exactly what an addiction is. So I'll briefly define it. An addiction is when there's an uncontrolled use of a substance or an activity despite harmful consequence. So that's just a very basic definition, but I also want you to think of the word complex in this definition because it isn't just you saying, oh, I really want a piece of gum. It's it's complex because there are multiple factors and reasons why this is an addiction and not just a desire. So we'll go a little bit more on that now just to get there before we talk Enneagram. And that is you really have an intense focus on using this substance all the time, whether it be alcohol, tobacco, drugs, or it could be about gambling or sexual addictions. And I really want you to understand that not only are you thinking about it a lot, but a lot of the time there's also distorted thinking and behaviors that go with it. And you actually often even have changes in your brain structure and function so that you have intense cravings, changes in personality, abnormal movements and behaviors. And brain imaging studies show changes in the brain. So that is actually fact. And they can really cause difficulty in judgment, decision making, learning, memory, all that. So sets us up with just the basic definition. We're moving from a model where addiction was seen as just selfishness and we're realizing that there's a lot of love that people who struggle with addictions have. And that may sound very basic to some of you, but it's important to say because that old model is still around to a large degree and addictive behaviors can be very selfish because we're in our defense mechanisms. But what we're also learning over time is that we don't always plan for these defense mechanisms to take over. And yet we also want to empower people to be able to escape from them by saying, let's not start with constantly shaming everybody who has an addiction. Let's remember that a lot of people who have addiction have felt like they've never been allowed to have feelings. Maybe they've been scapegoated as having to be the perfect child. Maybe they've been somebody who was always seen as the black sheep, so to speak. And we're trying to do our best to do less of this in the world nowadays. But what's done is done and people have landed where they've landed. So what's really important as we begin our discussion of addiction is to remember that feelings are allowed and that you matter and that you're not worthless. And those are just some basic principles. I think that it's important as we start thinking about you or your spouse or your family member who has addiction, that you keep that in mind and that you remember that even at times when feelings were not allowed in and were dishonored, 
somebody may have had a reason for that. Maybe they were in such survival mode that they said to the family, we don't have time for feelings or we won't survive. So I'm not even judging the why as to why feelings weren't allowed. I just want you to know if you're listening today, there's help and there's hope. So first I wanna cover a little bit about what addiction looks like in a marriage and in a family because I think that's super important to this whole conversation. And the most common signs of addiction in a marriage are spending more time away from home, like at bars or going to all the happy hours or parties, clubs, um, spending more time totally detached from you in any way, driving while intoxicated despite you saying, please don't, prioritizing alcohol or drugs or the addiction above other responsibilities like participating in housework and family events. And also, of course, you're seeing money disappear without explanation in many cases, even if it's a sexual addiction, sometimes there's money disappearing. Of course, we see this with drug, alcohol, gambling, and putting other people's lives at risk too while intoxicated, the kids, yourself, and also, of course, work struggles and being disconnected from the surroundings in general. But sometimes people maintain work. And so these are not hard and fast. These are just signs and signals. And it can be so hard when you're in a marriage to say to yourself, I think my spouse has an addiction and listening to your own instincts. You're so busy and frantic running around trying to take care of everything else that you don't always notice what's going on. So rather than chalking up your feelings to something else, make sure when you're feeling like this, like I'm realizing my spouse can't control their abuse. I seem to be doing all the work at home because they're always intoxicated or passed out. And uh, they're very disconnected from bonding. And my needs are being neglected because of this. And I'm worried that you're you know, hurting our family so much that I'm not sleeping and I'm not prioritizing my life. So those are some things that you might not notice the addiction itself, but you might notice that. So that way you can understand what to do. Now, if you are the spouse of somebody who's addicted, don't forget to get help for yourself through Al-Anon or other community support groups. And of course, you're going to hear me say this about AA. There's a lot going on online right now, which I'm so happy. And you can, of course, attend family or marriage counseling. That helps a lot. And you can also practice detaching with love during this process. So you can maybe lay the blanket over somebody who's intoxicated, but you're not going to drag them upstairs like you used to do. And you're certainly not going to let them drive drunk with your child or bail them out from jail because you're really saying you're going to have to figure this out. We're going to take this a little more slowly because I'm not going to rush to continue to rescue you and be codependent. So continue to educate yourself about whatever addiction you or your spouse has and think of it as a disease that the brain changes have happened as we'll talk about. And also be clear about your emotions and what's happening with you when your spouse has an addiction so that you can be the one to say, hey, This is not just you feeling stuck or feeling paralyzed or feeling like a victim. I am too. And we have to work on this as a family or neither of us are going to make it. And we also know that using ultimatums is helpful only if you're going to follow through. So and this goes with even our kids. Don't say I'm going to give you a timeout if that's not going to happen. And don't say I'm going to divorce you if that's not going to happen. The kids and I are leaving. If that's not going to happen, set the firm boundaries. If you don't see a psychiatrist, if you don't get mental health help, if you don't go to the AA meetings regularly, whatever it is, 
Don't do not claim it unless you're actually going to follow through. So you have to be willing to think critically and be strong. And I think this is why I do this podcast is to help us all to be critical thinkers, to think well, to think strong, to think family, to think bigger picture so that we're not just thinking this person is a complete jerk, but thinking there's a long history and we have a big job ahead of us. What would be the best way to go ahead and to make some healthy changes? And of course, that means you are going to have to get into the micro changes as well on the small level, but you have to do some macro thinking first in order to get you settled and able to see what what we can do in these smaller little ways. And we could talk for hours about alcohol and how, whether it's full dependence or whether it's just abuse, but we're going to stick to addictions in general today because I want you to understand that I don't want to get lost in semantics. If you're having big issues with a substance, that's huge and it's important and there are steps you can take. So that being said, if you're feeling like you're impaired in any way, having cravings, changes in personality, and all these things I mentioned with the movements, behaviors, this is time for you to really start taking things seriously. Addiction is so multi-level that you want to attack it from the brain level and mental health level, the marriage and family level, and of course, just your body itself also wanting and desperately needing help. We have a loved one that's extended family in a program right now, and what's really cool about that is it's hard work. And you never know, is it going to fully work? You hope so. But what's great is it usually buys time and it usually helps that person to be around a lot longer because your body gets healthy again. So if you're discouraged and saying, gosh, I've done that before and I don't want to go back to that route. Remember that every day that you treat your body better is a gift to yourself and your family. Maybe you're thinking, man, this person I know only lived to be 60 years old and they still went to rehab. But maybe if they hadn't, they would have only lived to 50 years old. So do remember that too. Now, some of you are also probably saying, Krista, my comorbidity is depression and I don't want to get better because this life is very hard. So I want to encourage those of you who are walking through something really deep like that to really fight with yourself to tell somebody else in your family about this because your family deserves to know and they care about you and they love you and you have really good things even though right now you don't know what you can do. I want you to understand that we know the rest of us in your family and in your social network know that you have amazing things that you're going to be doing whether they're with one person and you're just planting very deep seeds in somebody's life like a child or a nephew or a friend or a coworker, or if it's going to be that you're affecting and influencing a lot of people, I want you to believe you're here now for a purpose and we need you and we want you to be thriving. So please go ahead and get some mental health help and you can call 1-800-662-HELP and it's a national free confidential 365 day a week, 24 seven hotline for treatments and and it's for in English and Spanish. So do understand that you guys that are saying, I can't do this right now because my addiction is also causing depression. You are important and you are beloved and we want you here. And if you're a spouse or a family member, make sure you tell somebody this. I actually told the family member this, the extended family member, after I had to first work through my thinking brain, which was going through a safety lens. And so now we can get into our Enneagram conversation a little bit with addiction because I was in that mode of wanting to keep that person safe. And so the way I first came at their addiction was through my lens of safety for them. And they didn't hear me because they were a heart person. And it took me a little while because I had to stop and do that pause I'm talking about with you guys lately to really 
watch myself and to shift. And so I was able to change the language from you need to go get help because my husband's medical and he was explaining what was happening to their body. And I said, instead of just praying for you to go to rehab and giving that quick safety prayer, I changed the language and said, praying you know we love you. And they wrote back, thank you, I'm scared, but I'll do it for my babies. And it was a really good moment because it was a shift for them too, to feel seen and loved and heard in their personality. And I think everybody but me was already doing that because most of the people in that family system are actually heart people. But I was just thinking, oh, like I I want to meet you where I'm at. And that's what we do erroneously sometimes. So just be careful with me that as you're addressing your person that you do it from their angle and I promise you that's going to be a lot more effective and you have to slow down and do that you have to make sure that you really titrate with yourself to say am I balanced am I in a good space to speak to this person and don't if you're not quite yet wait understand that God has that person and that when you can emerge don't be selfish with it when you can emerge do it sometimes you might even write yourself a note to say hey you know you love this person in your extended circle you know they're going through something tough with an addiction, write them on Tuesday morning and send yourself an email reminder to do that. So definitely don't ignore it just because you might be, oh, I'm aggressive, assertive. I can move on with my life. No problem. Maybe you're that way, but maybe they're not. And maybe it's you who's struggling with addiction and you need to tell yourself some things about the where you're coming from and, and analyze it. If your superpower is your thinking, then analyze this. Take this road with your six and say, if I keep living like this, I'm not going to be healthy. And we know that we always tell threes the same thing. Use your use your arrow work to six to really understand that you can't keep this pace. I've known people in the ministry world to take a lot of vitamin B12 shots and to really build up their systems to do big talks. And I'm not judging anybody who needs to do that. And that's great vitamins, especially. But I also want to help you to understand your regular body rhythms and the need to take rests and how fast addiction can creep into our bodies when we have constant dopamine and cortisol running through our systems and we're finding ways to placate that are not natural. So head back in with yourself as naturally as you can and head back into encouraging those you love struggling with addictions as naturally as you can too. One final point I want to make about addictions that's excellent is to remember that when we're struggling with addictions, it's not just for self-soothing behaviors. It's also because we have hurt our attachment. So building secure attachments together and spending time working on conflicts together and just taking the time using some of the tools that I told you are freebies on EnneagramandMarriage.com. And you've got plenty of amazing tools and freebies out there between the Gottman world and the world at large with how many beautiful freebies people have. Have on their websites for mental health, you are going to be all set. But you do have to do your work. Everything takes time that's worth doing. So don't forget that these secure attachment bonds will help to heal a lot of the things that are, are paining you deep down. Because you might say on a first sensory five senses level, yes, I like that I'm learning how to take care of certain things that are everyday annoyances. But on a deeper heart level, I really want to make sure that we're good, that we really see each other and that we're securely bonded because that is going to make the biggest difference and we're always going to be seeking attachment and our addictions are always going to be representing something that we're lacking on a bigger and wider scale and all of us are broken. All of us are both the prodigal son and the prodigal's brother who's jealous. We're just broken. So it's better to say, hey, what work can we do together? 
I'm broken, you're broken. How can we work as best as we can together in this space and heal together versus saying, I have to hide, I have to go into shame, I have to just self-soothe with this. But to do the deeper work, it does take time. It does take an investment in yourselves. So that's where it starts. And now I'm just finally going to close with some brief ways to talk with each type about walking through addictions. So I want you to understand that when ones have addictions, they come from a place of stress a lot of the times, obviously, and they're coming from a place of wanting to damper down the critical voice that is just so intense. And they'll do anything to get rid of that voice because it's going off and blaring at them all the time. And that's obviously very uncomfortable. You're going to hear a lot of the same conversation we have with the passions with the one, but it's just an important repeat to say, remember the serenity prayer. Remember that God has this day and that as much as you see the way things should be completely right and you may be overworked in your five senses, you may need to focus on some sort of stimming, even if it's shutting the lights down, turning the noises off, putting the noise canceling headphones on, and really just removing yourself from being overly stimulated. You may need to say, I'm going to take a rest while you drive to your spouse. These are the things that really help a one not to be stressed and Obviously, my point is to help them to deter from having to go this longer route that I talked about with being fully in the throes of an addiction where maybe you're going to need a medication, maybe you're going to need a stay in an inpatient unit, maybe you're going to see a lot of broken relationships in your family. You don't want to have to go that route. So before the addiction sets in, that's what I want you to know. And I do want you to know I I see a lot of ones who do have closet addictions. So be aware that you can't escape through a hatch that will just take you out of responsibility because you're so good. You have to say, I am a responsible ethical person, but there's a time to rest and there's a time to let God take over where I have to leave off. And I'm going to find that rhythm before I'm at my threshold and while there's still margin so that I don't topple over and feel so critical and angry. Um, I'm going to treat myself to when I'm feeling overstimulated, knowing just what it's going to take for me to titrate that. So that is your work to do. And I'm proud of you ones who are already on that journey so that you know, hey, maybe you take a mental health med and you're on Zoloft or Lexapro or you're doing some good work otherwise on your body work. But whatever you're doing, these things are helping you to prevent feeling like you have to step in back to that addiction again. Just don't fool yourself into thinking that unless your spouse changes, you need to do this addiction. That's not going to work for you or any type, especially now as we step into two. I'm going to repeat that. Don't blame your addiction on your spouse. If you two are not having boundaries, I love you and I want you to understand we all love you. We all know how beautiful your heart is, but it's so important that you get your self-care so that you don't sabotage yourself later out of complete exhaustion and saying, hey, I did put my big heart out there. I did do my heart work and nobody else did because what's important there is that you ask. And it's kind of similar to how we say to nines, ask ask, ask. It's you guys speaking up and saying, I'm setting a boundary. I'm saying no. Instead of giving you everything, I'm just smiling at you. And instead of smiling and nodding with you about everything you're saying to me, sometimes I might even have a frown or I might even disagree, or I might just excuse myself because it's hard to just frown and disagree and be unpleasant as a two. But all of this is going to help you to be able to say, wow, I'm more genuine. And I know that I'm loved, even if I'm not giving and doing all the time and exhausting myself. Therefore, I don't have to have a girl's wine night every single night, which a lot of twos can get into that habit because they're social and they go out and they can 
tolerate more every night and it it can sneak up on you, especially if you have uh, this in your genetics. So be aware that these things are a treat and drinking and whatever else you're doing with addictions are are not helping you and they're actually hurting you and your whole family system. And so you're thinking, I have to love my people and you do, but this is how you love your people is you trust them with God and you put your oxygen mask on too. And then you're better set for working through your life's journey. And I just, I know that's hard because you have that huge enormous, beautiful heart for others, but just reserve some of it for you. Remember margin and remember to rest. And I think you're going to find, wow, I'm, I'm not quite as stressed. It is a big act of faith to do so, but that's where you're going to find yourself. Okay. Type threes. We know that you're working so hard and you might even have the label instead of alcoholic workaholic and be completely addicted because your work gives you permission to leave the feelings behind it. It's not quite as messy and unpredictable. There are goals and routines that can be stuck to and life is otherwise messy. So you really have to have that open-handed Uh, view with God where you just take some time each day, whether it be for yoga, meditation, prayer, that you truly release what you don't even know is there. And that's a lot of stress. And that's a lot of worry on your heart. And it's a big defense mechanism of you being harsh with others when really there's softness and hurt inside for how hard you've been working. So I want you to give yourself permission to really come back to yourself to just be to get to know who you are, like Suzanne Stabile said, but also to really say to yourself, I am worth it. And even if some people have made me feel that everything I do has to have this contingency or be about work, I know the truth is I'm valued no matter what I do. So I don't have to keep plugging and I don't have to grab that addictive substance in order to keep going hard. I don't need that medication if it's not helpful and if it's addictive, if it's your doctor prescribing it and it's good for you, obviously, yes, you do. But otherwise you don't and try to be more natural with your time. You might not have the the cool bag or the big, beautiful home, but your wedding ring means so much more ultimately symbolically and as a family line for generations and generations and generations. So I want you to put more into that and find yourself in that no man's land and find yourself opening your hands to God. Okay, so fours, I know you guys can struggle so much with addiction because of the melancholy that you do have. It's part of a requirement of being a four is to be able to sit in the depths. But I want you to come back up when it starts to get too heavy. When people spend too long in their four space, they start to feel the effects of it and it's hard to come out. So the first step out of it is usually gratitude after you're noticing what's happening and saying, wow, I've been here for a while and now I have to choose gratitude and it's probably going to look like you getting active and choosing gratitude and finding, oh, wow, I'm feeling better physically because I got active or it could come through your journaling work and writing down or talking with a safe friend or your own therapist. I know a lot of responsible fours really do that well where they're in therapy regularly and they're getting their work activity wise. And so a lot of fours do not struggle with addiction, but a lot struggle with depression nonetheless. So I want to help you in whatever capacity. Okay, fives, I want you to understand that you guys are so much more effective and efficient when you process your emotions. I know you feel like you can leave them aside, but that can actually lead a five right back to an addiction because the five is not just wanting to self-soothe. Yes, that can be part of it, reducing anxiety and getting help with stimming, etc. But um, really better is for you to look at this as more holistically, like I said, heart angle and say, gosh, if I keep hiding my feelings, they're probably not going to go away. And that's not very efficient, is it, to hold all this in? 
in and it's actually costing me a lot more energy than I bargained for because I like to have as much energy as possible because I'm a five and I don't want to be stuck back here. I want to go pursue my knowledge and my interests. So of course, those knowledge and interests can become addictive and obsessive for a five. But right now I'm talking about things that are truly even more harmful. So when you're finding yourself in one of these, I want you to say, I'm definitely going to choose the lesser of two evils. And I will let my emotions out on a regular basis so that I can be more efficient, effective, in my relationships, in believing that when I give to other people, something will be given back to me. And also in my research and information gathering, I'll even have more energy for that. So that will help you a lot, I hope. The sixes out there, I know a lot of the time when you get involved in an addiction, it's because you're feeling like you need some liquid courage or you're afraid to face your fears. And so it feels really fun to finally let go. But I want to encourage you that when you follow your fears, which I say a lot to the six, all the way and really do the worst case scenarios instead of letting them just hover around in a GAD form. And by GAD, I mean generalized anxiety disorder form. Um, you really start to make some momentum happen because now you're actually addressing what am I deeply afraid of? And you're actually taking the time to say, what can I do about this? And what are the action steps I'm going to take? That's very important to the six. And that's the error work to three. And then you can hit your peaceful nine place. And it doesn't involve an addiction at all, as you can see, because it's just a very straightforward route. And sixes, you guys are very straightforward. But the thing you don't often do is take the time in thinking. And that's what it's for. Sevens, you guys love gluttony, and I know this very well with you, and you love your experiences. So sometimes you think everything can be heightened with that extra grabbing onto life fully. But I want to encourage you that you actually get less because then you have to take a longer break and a recovery, and you have pain because you have that afterglow that is not so pretty, and you actually end up finding yourself actually so much more exhausted and worn out and your body is not going to work and there's not going to be any freedom. So I want to remind you of that if you're starting that path and you're seeing I'm depressed and everyone expects me to be sunshiny, that the better way to handle that is to take some rest, to put it into your schedule, even if you have to put it in for a few moments at a time or just 20 minutes. But I want you to find something, not even something you're doing with your hands, just truly resting, whether it be meditating or praying or laying down and just do something that keeps you as still as possible. That might require some deep breathing, but I want you there to do some thought work like I told the six also and to say, what am I afraid of? Is there something here? Is there something I'm really sad about that I'm not really looking at carefully? And there probably is. And I want you then to do the same thing as I'm telling the four, which was go into your gratitudes, find something that you are grateful for, because I know that it was hard for you to take that look and to say, gosh, I'm really sad about this. And often there's nothing you can really do about it. If you're anything like me, you've had some losses that you can commemorate, but you're still going to feel sad. So it is okay and important at that point to put on Philippians 4 and to think on things that are good and pure and lovely. And to say, instead of the addiction, I'm going to choose to take it slower and I'm going to choose to make more positive statements and remind myself of what I do have. And then you can get into planning. Just don't over plan. And remember, you think you're gluttony. We think our passions 
friends are going to help us, but they're really hurting us. So that's the biggest thing for the seven. And that moves us into the eight with the lust and wanting more and thinking that's going to serve me. And that's really not going to do that. Instead for an eight, it's going to be working on the heart and helping others and then going into the introvert and resting. So it's not that different for the seven in terms of addiction, but it's really important that you also remember that facing your vulnerabilities is part of your unique work as an eight and to say, I really understand that at times I feel defenseless and I would love to have a defense mechanism that I can look to to soothe me and to satisfy me, but I want you to take the moment to be vulnerable with your heart and say, is there anyone I need to heal with? Is there anyone I need to be grateful for versus always in this defensive stance and posture that an eight can get into? And then speak into your family's lives more gently and try to be with them and try to get some of your energy out in healthy body work kinds of ways so that when you get back to the end of the day and you're feeling the drudgery of the pain, it's dulled by just being tired. It's dulled by having done your good inner work with your family. And now you might just say, you know, I'm just ready to relax. And if I have anything in me, maybe I'll use it to write a poem or to just sit and and be intimate with my spouse versus hitting the bottle again. So just keep all of that in mind. And then for nines, I want you guys to understand that while it's fun for you to get out of your comfort zone and to get flirty and and go ahead and show the world who you are, sometimes with that substance or gambling, it's actually really costing you so much more because nobody's getting to know the real you without the substance. And once again, nines spend a lot of time in their stress at the six point. So they go to that liquid courage and they're thinking, I'm showing everybody the real me, but that you isn't the real you because that you isn't as responsible and wonderful and truth telling and bold in healthy ways. Um, they're, They're not as respectable, quite honestly. So I want you to have the best of it all nine. You deserve that. So stepping into your active body work, stepping into thinking and troubleshooting, stepping into just being loud with health instead of I get loud and flirty when I'm drinking or whatever else I'm doing addictively. This is what's truly going to bring you the satisfaction you're looking for and to bring you that peace that you want is to address things as they happen. So there's not such a buildup. So I hope this has been helpful for you guys. It was important for us to step in and to take some time with all of us again. We have the three seven glow coming up and a few more before we end the season with our glows. So stay tuned for those. Hit Enneagram and Marriage up for additional tips and make sure that you leave a review at Apple Podcasts if you found this helpful. Tickets are also on sale for the third annual Enneagram and Coffee Summit. It's my third year for speaking there as well. And I get to talk about the Enneagram Glow this year. I'm so excited. And I am so having fun preparing my course for my students. We start this Thursday. So I'm super happy for those of you in the course. And If you want to hit the summit up, make sure that you check out the show notes. I have several notes for you based on our conversation about addictions today. I have your link there if you want to go to the Enneagram and Coffee Summit. Of course, I have links to the website and such. I hope you have a great week. I will talk to you soon. 